I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town Alright, Ralph Ames and Devil's Junkie Podcast. We're sitting up in the press box at Sun Devil Stadium right now. Uh, Arizona State just finished off University of Texas San Antonio 49-7. Uh, big game for Manny Wilkins, four touchdown passes. Big game for Nikhil Harry, two touchdown receptions, both of which he absolutely outran everybody on the planet. One was an absolute highlight that I think is going to go in like the history books. I don't care that it was against UTSA. I mean, he went from one side to the next side and did his... Nikhil Harry, Hollywood Harry thing. So, I mean, I got, I, I got Chili here with me. He's seen plenty of Nikhil Harry. We were just thinking back on when, when, yeah, when we were, uh, after a high school game, we hit uh, Floridino's on, uh, in, uh, in North Chandler. And there are, actually in Tempe, no, in Tempe. Tempe, yeah, and a bunch of Marcos Tunisia kids were there. And they all came up to you and said, like, hey, um, you need to come talk to this kid. He's the guy. He was a sophomore at the time. He just got done scoring two touchdowns, and it was Nikhil Harry. Yeah. He kind of kept track of him ever since. And well, we've seen him do some stuff, but I think today today was the meet the expectations that everybody has for you day, and he's going to have to continue to do that throughout the season. I, I, you know, it's crazy, and, you know, I know sometimes uh, these receivers, they get double teamed or they get keyed on in a way that, you know, catches them off guard. Um, it's a first game, and this could be his last year. Um, but he did exactly what you know we needed him to do, what we wanted him to do. Um, you know, two touchdowns. I think anything less would have been kind of like a disappointment. But you know, I'm I'm satisfied with his game today. I think you are. I think pretty much everybody else that was in the stadium is. Herm is. So I know. think probably the biggest difference between this ASU team. Well, there's a couple differences, obviously penalty yards were huge that wasn't really something you saw under Todd Graham but one thing I always like to say is you know sometimes when you're afraid to commit penalties you're afraid to play free and fast and loose and make plays Um, obviously that doesn't apply to every situation but I kind of felt that you know ASU would play tight sometimes Uh, (laughs) they obviously weren't afraid to go out and get some flags thrown today you know about 100 yards in penalties uh, most penalties since before Todd Graham ever even got here. Uh, before we before we get into the other big difference between this ASU team and previous ASU teams, I just I want to talk to you a little bit. The, the penalties are they an issue? Should we worry? Is it game one? I mean, h- how do you feel about that many? Um, you know, I I don't think it's a cause for concern unless it's you know uh, you're concerned about like the discipline of the team. Um, I know that uh, Chase uh, in the post game was talking about, you know, having a lot of freedom and stuff and having to embrace and respect it, uh, not just for himself, but for all the other, for all his teammates and stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know if that's what contributes to it, but it, it was a little sloppy at times. And, you know, I, I think they could tighten that up. And they're going to have to tighten that up when they play against a lot of these better teams. This is a Pac-12 team. This team doesn't play in, like, um, this, they don't, they're not NAU. Like, they, they have to you know, be respectful of, you know, their competition and therefore they have to, you know, they can't, they can't do the Kanye West thing where flip-flops to a wedding. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta act the part, you gotta dress the part. So though, I think the other big difference, um, as we stare out onto the field, onto the brand new redone east side of the stadium, uh, this place looks nice. Oh, it's put a lot of money into it. Um, but you know, I, I think the other thing uh, that stood out is the fact that 
they were able to run the ball. Uh, the holes were yes. there for Eno. But Eno, Eno Benjamin's a very talented player, but the holes were there for him, uh, whereas they have not always been there for in the past for Caleb Milaje, for Demario Richard. A lot of issues with those running backs also not necessarily being able to get out of the backfield on their own. So, um, I mean, what, what did you see as far as Eno Benjamin just being able to, like, get through the holes and, uh, and and probably look much more natural as a runner. With, with Bellage and uh, DeMario leaving, you know, I, I was a little bit concerned, but I knew that we had a star coming up in uh, Eno Benjamin. Um, you know who really surprised me was Isaiah Floyd. Like, I, I like that kid. Uh, nine nine carries, 79 yards. Um, I know this was UTSA, but, I mean, he got it against who he needed to get it against. So um, he came in mostly in the second half, got most of his carries that way. And, um, you know, Eno Benjamin, I. I think that this is, you know, a bona fide Pac-12 uh, star. Um, I expect to see him on some on some teams, you know, at the end of the season. Um, you know, 16 carries, 131 yards, you know, nothing to bat your eye at. And he made some big runs, too. Another big difference for me in this game is uh, last year we didn't see a lot of rotation. There's maybe 13 guys that would play on defense. Yeah. Um, tonight we probably saw closer to 20 get regular snaps, where, whether it was uh, Dom Harrison or Taron Adams coming in and, and getting snaps at corner. Obviously, Jalen Harvey got tossed out for targeting, so Daz Tadalatas, he had to play a lot. Uh, but we, we saw rookie, rookie freshman uh, linebackers in, you know, playing like NFL rookies out there, Merlin Robinson, you know, Darian Butler, guys like that, sharing time with Kyle Soley, a redshirt freshman, uh, Malik LaWall, Kalen Thomas. It, it, felt like, it felt like everybody in the back – you know, in the back of the defense made made plays in the passing game, and it felt like everybody really stifled UTSA's running game. But the defensive line, I mean, that, they were rotating in and out all game long, whether it was uh, Jalen Bates or Doug Sutil or George Lee or DJ Davidson probably got like 20 to 25 snaps tonight. I mean, just the fact that they kept everybody fresh all night long. Is that, are they able to do that because it's UTSA? Or will they be able to have a rotation like that against some of these bigger teams? Or Michigan State next week? Will they run people in and out against Michigan State like that? Or will they try to find the guys it works with and go with them? Um, you know, I think uh, I think Herm was probably trying to keep the players fresh, as fresh as possible. You know, they, the team looked good early. Like, they looked good throughout the game, but they looked exceptionally good, you know, for the first three quarters. You know, they built that huge lead. Um, one thing, you know, if, if there was a little concern besides, like, the penalty thing, like, I really wish they would have pitched that shutout. And I think they kind of, like, let it go. Um, I think it's some, I think it was something that they could have gotten. It would have been nice to get, you know, from his first victory, a big shutout statement win. Um, that turns the UTSA game into just another game, into a statement game. Like, we came out. We shut a team out. But um, they didn't, and I don't know what happened. It kind of looked like the defense kind of uh, crumbled at the end, like, towards the goal line. And... They just kind of like almost let it happen. They also, for a good three quarters, and I think probably the reason it feels that way is because for three quarters they were really bullies. There were three quarterback sacks that I counted in which ASU players didn't even touch Grundy, the opposing quarterback. They, they pushed offensive linemen into Grundy. Um, that, that is new. Um, you know, Tashawn Smallwood, bless him, he played four years, started four years here. ASU owes a huge debt of gratitude to the effort that he put in here. But he wasn't pushing offensive linemen into quarterbacks. You know, uh, Rennell Wren, who is the biggest, strongest guy in the Pac-12, finally looked like the biggest, strongest guy in the Pac-12. What was your impression? Uh, Shannon Foreman scored a touchdown. I mean, this is a guy who 
was kind of the last addition to a recruiting class a couple years ago out of Louisiana. No one knew if he'd ever really contribute. And he goes out there and, like, on the first play, he takes takes one to the house uh, from the defensive end position. What was your impression of this defensive line? Do you, you feel like it's a big improvement over previous years? Um, I think we have to wait to determine that after the Michigan State game when they see some uh, linemen that are their size or bigger because I think, you know, that's going to be the true tell. I mean, watching them play this uh, – this Division One JV team, like it doesn't, it's not an accurate tell of like who ASU really is. This is the way they're supposed to beat UTSA. Like I said, the difference would have been if they would have pitched this shutout. To me, the shutout is important, but you know, it, it what what happens happens, and you know, ASU got the victory. That's the most important thing because not all the Arizona teams were able to get that. So, one of the other things that kind of stood out to me about about this game was obviously the, the, the game day feels a little bit different. The student section is basically the entire north end of the stadium um, after abandoning the double inferno. What, what was your take on it? First of all, it looked huge and it looked great. Do you think it will be an effective um, kind of piece of the game day experience as far as being uh, a feel like a home field advantage? Or do you really feel like it's sort of a handicap in that it's only relegated to one side of the field? The Double Inferno was a great concept in theory. It was a great concept in theory. Now, what you what you saw today with the with the student section all combined in in the uh, in the north end zone, is that the north end zone? That is the south, south end, end zone. zone. Yeah, you're right. If if, uh, if if this is obviously what what they're continuing to do because they're getting away from that Double Inferno thing, um, I think it's a genius idea because it's going to be so full for the opposing team when the opposing team goes in that end zone so for the first couple drives it might be enough to throw them off uh, very very 942 crew style like uh, for the basketball games um, it, could, it could turn into a real home field advantage which is something that like it's tough at ASU because while that side may be very very full the stadium isn't always very very full so ASU the, those kids um, especially with the uh, Herm Edwards, Ray Anderson methods of recruiting now, like where the kids are going to be here for five years, they'll be used to embracing some of the emptiness of the stadium. But when there's one side that's so crazy and one side that's kind of empty, opposing teams might come in and get thrown off a little bit. I, I will say that I had conversations with recruits on the sideline that I've never had before. Well, that was kind of interesting to me was, you know, um, a guy like Ben Finley, 2020 Paradise Valley quarterback, uh, Ryan Finley, his older brother at NC State. You know, he walks onto the field and he's like, wow, this is gorgeous. Like, when was the last time you heard recruit come in and, and talk about the feel, the look of the stadium? Cade Bennett said the same thing. Uh, Andre Johnson, said, you know, he, he's ASU commit for 2019 class wide receiver out of Tolleson. He came in and he was like, oh, this is ridiculous. This looks incredible. You know, people, people, the Sun Devil Stadium used to be like maybe the, the nostalgia of it was what was what made it cool, but the truth is it was just a 75,000-seat bowl with ble steel bleachers that you could fry an egg on when the Cardinals used to play here during the daytime. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's definitely, you know, with the video board up and, and, and the, the Inferno student section and the east side and the west side having kind of the luxury uh, sections, um, you know, I think they serve beer here now. Uh, it's definitely an updated updated experience um do you feel like it'll help in recruiting you know i think you know about like three years ago four years ago or whatever um before the upgrade started we all knew that this is a place that needed some modernization um it looked old 
Uh, I think what they've done with Frank Cushfield is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, the huge, the huge jumbotron in the actual north end zone, and right. you know, uh, the the way the state, the aesthetics of the stadium, it, it, it is it is something to marvel and something to be proud of. So you know, I think uh, you know a lot of these recruits like they're not walking into the Sun Devil Stadium that they grew up in uh, watching games at. Now they're walking into a new Sun Devil Stadium that's going to be their Sun Devil Stadium. So, I mean, Michigan State's ahead. And looking outside of uh, ASU, some of the other stuff that happened that was kind of notable, BYU takes down University of Arizona. Khalil Tate only runs the ball eight times for 14 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Oregon kind of set the blueprint for how to handle him last year. Have people figured him out, or I mean, does that bode really terribly for for University of Arizona, or is this a situation where, you know, it's one, one bad game they're still trying to figure out? Uh, Noel Mazzoni's never really coached a quarterback like him. They're still trying to figure out the strengths of of what they can do with that coaching staff and the leftovers from the Richrod era. I, I don't I don't know if Khalil Tate is really going to be a Kevin Sumlin, Noel Mazzoni guy. Um, I'm not sure really how that's going to work out over there, uh, especially this season. Um, I don't know what Khalil Tate's going to do. And I know that it's crazy because the Devil's Junkie podcast, right? Like, we're talking about, you know, University of Arizona and, uh, you know, a pox be on their house and all that stuff. But, like, I don't like to look at the stat line and see Khalil Tate eight rushes, 14. Like, I want to be entertained just as much as the next guy. And if that dude's not allowed to be himself, like, what's the point? It's important that we touch on some of those things, though, so that we know what we're looking into uh, moving, moving forward. Because like if this is if this is the type of team that we're going to be looking at down the road, that's obviously our last game, our rivalry game, one of our most important games, regardless of record. Um, you know, we need to know what's ahead. We need to know is Khalil Tate popping off and on pace to get you know two thousand yards rushing, three thousand yards passing. We we need to know those things. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure what the, what the future holds over there at Arizona, but you know what I am certain of is this Sun Devils team uh, defensively, if the rotation. I think if the rotation continues to be what it was today and there's a lot of kids getting in, that means that we're going to have fresher kids later in the season. Our starters are going to be fresher. Our our you know backups are going to be fresher. And they're going to be faster to the ball. Uh, they're going to be faster reactionary-wise. So you know when we do play Khalil Tate, I think we will have some advantages. Now, looking across the college football spectrum, you see that it's littered with former Arizona State quarterbacks, and uh, uh, this was sort of tune-up week, uh, and they all showed out. Brady White threw for 358 yards, five touchdowns. Blake Barnett threw for 300, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, I think ran for another one. Bryce Perkins threw for 185 yards, two touchdowns, ran for over 100 yards, scored twice. Um, and then obviously Manny Wilkins had a fantastic game, like another game where he took care of the ball, decided to leap over somebody, and good for him, didn't get hurt. But, you know, you see all these guys balling out all over the place, and obviously, you know, their competition wasn't great. Arizona State probably had the toughest of the four um, on their schedule. But you, you, you look out at some of these games, you see the success that these guys are having, and, um, I mean, if, if you're an, an ASU fan, how, how are you supposed to feel about that? I mean, it's a really unique situation. What, whatever other time has there ever been four starting quarterbacks that all had their genesis or, or spent time with one school? Um, I, don't, I don't think there's any question about, you know, uh, the level of talent uh, that we had at the quarterback position, uh, the level of talent, and uh, how deep we were. Um, we had, like, six or seven guys on our on our depth chart that could have started anywhere that had just proved it tonight. Um, 
obviously for for those of you that go back to the beginning of the devil's junkie podcast y'all remember how much of a fan i was of bryce perkins um i am not surprised at all by the work that he's done also brady white i remember you telling me about how good he was one of the highest rated recruits that asu's ever received um you know i'm not surprised you know what he did over at memphis memphis uh obviously that, hooked up that was his, his recruiter. offensive coordinator yeah, yeah that was his recruiter yeah. um also uh blake barnett you know that's a kid that was at alabama during national championship year i believe and then transferred here to asu and you know um and either way whether they were a national championship team or not they were perennials so like you know that that's a good ball player that asu got and you know it just didn't work out here for him manny did a fine job today uh it was utsa is he going to do is he going to duplicate this and do this next week is he going to find um this uh this fleet of receivers i mean uh right here on on the list i know i know that he completed at least like five completed passes to at least like five or six different guys uh Right here on the list, the short list is uh, Nikhil, Frank, Eno, and Kyle. They so. tried to use the tight end a little bit. It didn't necessarily work out. A couple of short passes, uh, quick, quick out to Tommy Hudson. He got destroyed. I know Chapman and, uh, caught one. Yeah, Chapman caught a touchdown pass, which is good for him to finally sp- to spend this much time in the program and have it finally kind of pay off. Uh, Frank Darby kind of worked as a decoy. Ky- Kyle Williams is incredibly uh, talented. And Nikhil went out there and, and did Nikhil Harry things. Uh, I want to I want to transition it over to because I mean you you've been a pretty vocal critic of the hire, um, and you know I've been in kind of wait and see mode, and obviously one game does not a legacy make. But you have Herm Edwards out here with his first college opener uh, since. I think 1989, which was also at Sun Devil Stadium, by the way, with San Jose State. He was the uh, defensive backs coach when they came in here and got beat like 28-21. But, you know, he comes out, he gets a 49-7 win, almost pitches at the first shutout uh, of of an FBS team, you know, for the Sun Devils since 2010. Um, Better than you thought. I I know how you feel, and I know it's going to take time to feel differently. I want to know what your expectations were and and if they were exceeded. Um, I expected them to trash this team. I expected them to uh, win 42 to nothing or um, 49 to nothing, and they were almost there. So I mean, they, they, he, I, I'm, I'm gonna give him this one um, because it's his first time coaching a college team in like 74 years. So um, you know, uh, what's it called? UTSA didn't get into the end zone until like uh, garbage time, midway through the fourth quarter, or a little bit more, a little bit more or less, or whatever. Um, like I said, the second stringers kind of broke down a little bit, but second stringers are going to do that. But, uh, you know, for as disciplined of a guy and um, as disciplined of a guy as, like, Todd Graham was, the transition, like, I feel like if this was a Todd Graham team, they would have maintained that shutout. But then you got to ask yourself, would they have been up 49 to nothing? So I mean, Would they have played loose? You know, what, yeah, the, it's it, – it, you'll the, never know, I guess. I, I, I think the looseness helped out early on I think when you're not when you're so when you're so much looser like you need to have some somebody that's going to tighten you up uh when the last 10 minutes of the game comes right so yeah I mean you we watched Michigan State struggle with we watched Michigan State struggle with Utah State and I don't mean to laugh but you and I have been watching Brian Lewerke for a long time and if you watch that game you see a guy who um you know wasn't wasn't crazy accurate, didn't do anything that would blow your mind until that last drive when he made a throw that literally only he could make. He does things that make you say, like, wow. He, it's kind of like Josh Allen. 
which I know it's ridiculous to you know Josh Allen's got a lot of haters, mm-hmm. but there are things He's Josh Allen, but there are things that Josh Allen does that make you say like, wow, could anybody else do that? You know, but and then there are a lot of things mm-hmm. Josh Allen does that says it is very obvious that this is not the guy. Uh, Brian Lewerke for me was a guy that didn't even you know he didn't even have a fifty percent completion percentage in high school, and he had two guys on his team, Kules Rose and Adam Washington, who they would just go deep every time, and sometimes he'd overthrow him, sometimes he'd you know it'd be a strike, but there were other times when I'd see him throw off his back foot fifty yard laser, and you know no one else could do something like that, and that, that's how they ultimately end up winning this game against Utah State. He had a good first half, didn't really do anything in the second half. He, Obviously, this Michigan State team is talented in other places, and I personally have felt for a long time, and I'm going to have to think long and hard about this week, that Michigan State's going to come into Sun Devil Stadium with their running game, and they're going to cause some problems for ASU. Um, But after watching that Utah State game, does your mind change a little bit? Do you feel like ASU should, fans should expect a win in this game because they're going to be a top 10 team. I mean, when, when the next polls come out, even though they barely won, I think they probably hang on to that 11 spot or maybe even jump one. Um, I'm not quite sure what to expect with the Michigan State, but one thing that I will say is, um, you know, we were kind of on the fence about how this uh, ASU team is going to handle the run. And we kind of really didn't see UTSA. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that at all because UTSA but, was down fourteen to nothing, one hundred and nineteen seconds into the game. But UTSA threw forty-three passes and ran the ball thirty-four times. They got two yards running. That had kind of impressed me. But the problem, but the problem, let me tell you what the problem is: is the way they scored that touchdown, they were running the ball. Yeah, I mean, you had you did have some third-string defensive guys in the game. But at the same time, like the, some of those guys are talented enough to probably have have handled business and should have been fresh enough. One of the one and required a big fourth down conversion. Right. Um, you know, is it going to come down to time? The amount of time that Brian Lewerke has to throw because I, I felt like I felt like UTSA probably could have done some damage against ASU had their offensive line not completely got bullied. I don't think Michigan State has the type of offensive line that you're going to be able to come out and bully. But if you can get off the edge and keep Brian Lewerke uncomfortable, he might not have time to dice up your secondary. Um, UTSA gave up nine sacks tonight. Nine sacks. Michigan State's not going to give up nine sacks. I don't see that happening. So what ASU's going to have to do is they're going to have to um, they're going to have to exchange those sacks for. Hurries. They're gonna have to make Brian Lewerke move his feet a little bit, make and him uncomfortable. He can. He can. Uh, he, he can. But I mean, that—that's not what any quarterback would rather do. So, right. um, as long as they can make him uncomfortable a little bit. And hey, we saw Chase Lucas from his cornerback position getting in that backfield. We did. I think he had three tackles for loss. Chase Lucas had an absolutely huge game, and it'll be interesting to see because I don't think Chandler and Pinnacle ever matched up when he was out here at, at playing it. At Pinnacle High School, so this will be the first time that Brian Lewerke's lined up across. Well, Chase uh, wouldn't have lined up at. Exactly, exactly. He wouldn't. So. Have been, yeah, exactly. But you know, so I think, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry won't. You know, this will be the first time Nikhil Harry shared the field with Brian Lewerke. This will be the first time that Chase Lucas has as, as well. So that'll be kind of interesting. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to put it on you to make an early an early prediction. I, I do want to see if I can solidify an answer to this question though. Did your mind change at all about what you think ASU might be able to do against Michigan State after getting a chance to watch them for four quarters? Um, I don't know. I mean, my, like I said, you know, my, I'm I'm still a little bit curious about how this team is going to handle a, a real um, a real uh, FBS running team. 
a, a, a real Big Ten team, you know, uh, that can put the ball on the ground, um, an SEC type team that can put the ball on the ground. And I know that we won't see those type of teams until obviously we got Michigan State up next, but after that it's a bowl game. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to see how they're going to handle a big, pounded out run team like a Stanford, because we are going to see like teams like that down the line, Pac-12 yeah. championships, stuff like that. That's so. the question that really didn't get answered tonight was can ASU stop the run? Because they got up so big so early that UTSA had to pass and it and I mean the the stat sheet looks nice. Thirty four carries, two yards. Because you get those so, you, you get the yards taken away for the sacks and right. so that factors in a little bit. But yeah, you it would have been it would have been interesting to see what UTSA's game plan would have been had ASU not scored immediately with a Nikhil Harry 58-yard touchdown reception and then Shannon Foreman pick off a pass, take the end zone. Is that what put them in, the posi- in a position to have to throw for the, for the rest of the game? That Did was they the plan first to to run? two minutes. That was right. the first two minutes. Like, you have 58 minutes left in the game, you're already down 14 nothing. Well, uh, all I know is it's it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be an interesting week, and as long as they can be healthy, and I'm not necessarily sure what the penalty for targeting is, but hopefully they'll have uh, Jalen Harvey back and, and and have some physicality. <laughs> I see Jalen Harvey getting tossed out of every single game this year. Personally, that's uh, and and his backup you know, or his co-starter Daz Tatalatasi. I see him getting tossed out of half the games this year too because I don't fully understand the rule, and those guys aren't going to change the way they've played their whole lives. I mean. Jalen Harvey and Daz, they're sicko mode like Travis Scott and Drake. Like they just want to punish people out there, and they hit you like they hate you. Well, speaking of hitting people like they hate them, Arizona State hit up UTSA for 49 points tonight. Uh, so you know this is Ralph Amson, Chili from Sun Devil Stadium, uh, up in the press box. It is now officially Sunday morning, and uh, we're signing off. Didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town All my friends were vampires Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire myself Devil Town